What's up, people? Welcome to episode five of this uh, series of talks for GTM uh, leadership. And uh, we've just been trying to look at a basic introduction into what leadership or apostolate is about and what are some of the things that hold us back from this great call towards leadership, this great call towards apostolate. And we were looking at this whole fear of paying the price yesterday, right? That one of the things that holds us back is just the fear of paying the price. It's just... It's like, why why complicate my life, you know? Many times that is a temptation from the devil, that's true. But you have to admit, it's a very darn good temptation. I mean, it makes sense. Why complicate my life? There's a movie that came out in 2000 called Pay It Forward, where one of the 12-year-old characters, who himself had been given an assignment in school about changing the world, and he had tried a number of things, well, actually, more than a number, he had just tried one, um, that had begun to work and then failed. But it was more than anyone else in that classroom of 12-year-olds that tried, and people were rather impressed with what he had done. Certainly there were a few lies that were attached, but he wasn't going to change the world. But the story managed to catch the attention of one of the media stations who followed it up and came to interview him in school. And they were asking this little boy, um, Trevor, why it is that... You know, many people don't bother going out in terms of leadership or going out in terms of apostolate. And he said, I don't know, I think some people are too scared or something. You know, I think things can be different. And I mean, the world is not exactly you know, shit, but I guess it's hard for some people who are so used to things the way they are, even if they are bad, to change. And they kind of give up. And when they do, everybody everybody kind of loses. And I think these words, um, scripted as they are, kind of give a very good answer as to why we fear paying the price. Because, you know, we kind of get used to things being broken. We get used to things being... We get used to people being in a certain way. We get used to things being in a certain way. Even if we know that they could be better and they should be better. Even though we know, wow, this thing has so much potential or this person has so much potential. But we we shy away from, you know, as we've been repeating in all these uh, episodes, we shy away from lifting their vision, from raising their performance, from building their personality. It's just not worth it. Or at least it is not worth my trouble. Somebody else could do it, but not me. Right? So in that first episode, we were borrowing from the Gospel of St. Luke who told the story of the prodigal son. And then today I wanted us to borrow from the Gospel of Matthew where he records the story of a man about to go abroad who summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. Again, this is another story that Uyo Fundiwambao, that carpenter from 2,000 years ago, was telling to his listeners. There was a man about to go abroad who summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, each one in proportion to his ability. Then he set out on his journey. The man who had received the five talents promptly went and traded with them and made five more. The man who had received two made two more in the same way. 
But the man who had received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now a long time afterwards, the master of those servants came back and went through his accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more. The man who had received two made two more in the same way. But the man who had received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now a long time afterwards, the master of those servants came back and went through his accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Here are five more that I have made. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have shown you are trustworthy in small things. I will trust you with greater. Come and join in your master's happiness. Next, the man with the two talents came forward. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. Here are two more that I have made. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have shown that you are trustworthy in small things. I will trust you with greater. Come and join in your master's happiness. Last came forward the man who had the single talent. Sir, he said, I had heard you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Here it is. It was yours. You have it back. But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have deposited my money with the bankers and on my return I would have got money, my money back with interest. So now, take the talent from him and give it to the man who has the ten talents. And it's a story I want to believe that we have heard very many times, but I wanted us just to go through it a bit slower trying to appreciate some of the details that perhaps are lost to us uh, millennials, are lost to us moderns, um, and are lost to us non-Jews. First of all, what exactly is this talent that um, each of these servants was entrusted with? You know, it, it sounds like some kind of payment, but we don't really appreciate what kind of payment it was. So in, in that region of um, of the world where... Jesus lived, laborers were usually paid about, uh, well, what is called a denarius for a day's work, for a day's uh, wage, yeah, for the labor of one full day, one denarius. And we could liken that almost to, because, you know, this is kind of manual labor. So to my mind, we can liken that to manual labor today. Normally, any Kaziamjengo or Kibarua you get, okay, fine. Typically, you'll get maybe 500 bob, right? So that was what a denarius was. Now, what's the relationship between a talent mode of payment and a denarius mode of payment? Right? And from the little research I've been able to do, a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. 6,000 denarii. Imagine that. Meaning that at one denarius per day, you would have, and if imagine you save that denarius that you've been working for every single day. Eh? At one denarius per day, a talent was worth 16 years of labor. 16 years of working. Just imagine. Right? If you want to put it into, into Kenyan terms, right? If um, one talent is worth 6,000 denarii, then really we're saying that one talent... Today, I haven't accounted for inflation and blah, 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 etc., etc., you know. 
um, one talent today, if you're being paid 500 bob per, per, uh, per day of working, then if you were given a talent, you would have been given 3 million Kenya shillings. 3 million Kenya shillings. So now we go back to the story and we know when we think about the first servant who was given five talents, you know, this guy has been given 15 million Kenya shillings. And the second was given two talents. He's been given um, six million Kenya shillings. And the last one was given one, one talent. He has received three million Kenya shillings. So I think we already begin to see that the man who was going out abroad was not a stingy kind of guy. On the contrary, he's a guy who really trusted these people. I mean, you'd, I, okay, I don't know about you, but I certainly haven't given anyone <laughs> 3 million Kenya shillings. Also because I don't have it, but that's besides the point. Let's focus on, on the main part of the story, right? But you can imagine, if this guy has given out 24 million Kenya shillings, to three guys, and he's going off. He's not like supervising. He's not. No, he's just give. You go and trade with them. Effectively, that's what he's told them. You know, he's left twenty-four million of his own shillings with these guys and said, "Go trade with them." I think that's the first thing we need to appreciate that we're not talking about some change. You know, like the sadaka that most of us give in in church. You know, the coins that we didn't have anywhere to use them, uh, you know, kind of thing. No, no. This guy gave them some handsome amount of his own money. It's not that he owed them anything. It's his own money. Right? And then he went off abroad. He went off on a long journey. So that's the first thing I wanted us to appreciate a bit better. Now, another detail that Matthew mentions here is that the man who had received the five talents promptly promptly went and traded with them and made five more without wasting time, promptly. And I want us at the back of our minds already to begin thinking about this story, this parable, but from the perspective of from the lens of leadership, you know, from the lens of apostolate. How prompt are we in using the talents, and here we can even use it in the modern sense, eh? because those talents are invaluable. In fact, if you use them, and over those 16 years we've been speaking about, yeah, certainly 3 million shillings is very possible. But the question here really is, how promptly am I working with them? Do I have that mentality of, let me sort myself out first, that we were mentioning, I think, two episodes ago, and then after that I will get to helping all these other people lift their vision, build their performance, etc. Am I prompt in leadership? The moment I see an opportunity, I go out. But then this first servant was going out to trade with them. And we all know what trade is about, what entrepreneurship is about. It's about taking risks. And if there's one thing that is true about apostolate, about leadership, is that you are constantly taking risks. And the very first risk you're taking is to trust people. Like this man trusted these servants of his with 24 million of his own Kenya shillings to trade, to risk. 
but in that risking, in that venturing, in that trusting people, in that believing in people, you know, he made five more. We are not told how much time um, was passed between the man leaving and coming back. We're only told that he set out on his journey. St. Luke, I think, is the one who says he went abroad, but went on a long journey. So it's kind of a thing that took a long time. And they didn't know when he was coming back. It's not that you're told, hey, I'm going to give you two weeks, I'm going to give you two months. No. It's like, I'm going abroad, handle this on my behalf. And each was given, this is another point I had missed earlier, you know, that each was given talents in proportion to his ability. In proportion to his ability. You and I have been given graces, have been given gifts, have been given skills, have been given talents, have been given opportunities. In proportion to our ability. And we have to examine ourselves. Are we prompt in like grabbing these opportunities? If only these opportunities of leadership, these opportunities of apostolate, are we prompt? Are we willing to take the risk, the entrepreneurial risk? in reaching out to people and trying to help them grow in body and mind and in soul. Because this is what the first servant did. The second servant did likewise. He had two. He went and made two more in the same way. And then now we come to the last servant, to you, (laughs) to me. And this is what Matthew notes. But the man who had received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Meaning he took what he had been entrusted with and he buried it. Which is precisely what you and I tend to do with our own talents, if I could use it in a modern sense again. Digging a hole and hiding it. You know, hiding it. Just kind of shying away from the entrepreneurial risk, so to speak, of being rejected, of being frustrated, of being belabored, of, you know. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Please note, his master's money, not his own money, his master's money. The talents, the skills that you have are not yours. They still belong to the masters. They have been entrusted to you, but they are not yours. They are not mine either. But we many times, when we shy away from leadership, when we shy away from apostles, when we shy away from helping people we meet in our day-to-day lives, I keep repeating at home, in class, in the office, in the pitch, in the gym, at the bar, wherever it is our life takes us. When we shy away from helping these people, from risking our life and our time and our effort on these people, what we are doing is we are hiding our master's talent. Now, a long time afterwards, the master of those servants came back and went through his accounts with them. Meaning the master now comes and says, look, give me back what is mine. And this is exactly what will happen to each and every single one of us. On the day we die, the master will ask for his talents back. And he wants them back 
with interest as we read a bit later down. And he wants them back with interest as we read it a bit further down. The man who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Here are five more I have made. And the one who had made two did the exact same thing. And to both of them, the master tells them, well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have shown you are trustworthy in small things. I don't know if that strikes you. Small things. Three million bob. Small thing. Five talents. Small thing. Two talents. Small thing. Now is when I'm going to give you something really big. Come. Join in your master's happiness. I don't know if that strikes you. Say, my God. (laughs) I mean, I wish I was given something small like this. And the answer is, you have been given something small, quote unquote. According to your ability. Meaning that even if you have one, if you have two, you can still do something about it. You're not incapacitated. You know, not like, ah, me only had two, I can't do anything. Ah, me only had one, I can't do anything about it. You can still do something about it. You can still be good about it. You can still be trustworthy in this small thing. And that's why these two servants were told, okay, come. I will trust you with greater. I will trust you with greater. And on top of that, come join in your master's happiness. You know, this life I've been living where, you know, three million bob is nothing. Come, 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 come. Now, (laughs) let me show you the real deal. Come and enjoy it. Right? Last came forward the man who had the single talent. Last came forward yourself. Last came forward myself. And together with this last man, we, we tell the master, Sir, I had heard you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid. And I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Here it is. It was yours. You have it back. And in the response that the master gives to him, please note, he does not deny that he was a hard man. He doesn't deny it at all. In fact, he says, So you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. You knew it. And I think it's a good thing to dwell on just these words because unfortunately the Christianity that you know we are sold nowadays is one of a you know kind of sweet and gentle and you know sticky kind of Jesus. You know, it's like a nice fat kind of cat like Garfield, you know, and a meow and it's a wow and so nice and cuddly and fuzzy and everything. But he says, No, I am a hard man. I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered. He doesn't deny it at all. That meaning, there's some things we can joke about, there's some things we can be nice and rainbow and unicorns about, and there's some things that we cannot. 
That's the first thing I think catches my attention here. The second, and this is what I keep repeating whenever I I narrate this parable, is that the man's master answered him and called him wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy. You know, thinking and praying about this passage, you know, you, you ask yourself, lazy makes sense. I mean, the guy did nothing. It makes completely perfect sense, right? But why wicked? Why would you call him? The guy has done nothing. Why would you call him wicked? Lazy, yes. But why wicked? And the only answer I could find or come up with was the fellow was wicked. The fellow was evil precisely because he was lazy. Meaning he had the possibility, he had the capacity to do something and did not. That the reason you are evil, the reason I am evil, the reason we can also be labeled wicked, is precisely because we are lazy in our leadership. We are lazy in our postulate. We can do something for this person, that person, the other person, but we don't. We take that opportunity, we dig a hole, and we hide it there. That's why you and I are wicked. That's why this servant was wicked. You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. Meaning, you know, at least you could have offered that opportunity to somebody else who was going to do something about it. And on my return, I would have got my money back with interest. Gentlemen, we need to move into action. We cannot just abscond duty. We cannot leave that apostolate undone. We cannot shirk that leadership opportunity. We must do something. All those people you meet in your life, day in, day out, you need to do something. Don't bury your talent. Do something. 